Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. Thank you so much for your presence. We're so very thankful for those who are visiting with us and joining us online as well. I want to take just a moment to plug our upcoming uh, new member and new Christian day on Sunday, September 24th. This is a new thing that we're doing, and we're going to have a special class that morning at 9, a combined class. We'll all be in here, and that's a great time to learn about who we are at the Bullard Church of Christ, what we're about. And so if you have questions, if you've been even visiting, and you have questions about the congregation, it's a great opportunity to ask and also learn more about us. And for new folks... Whether you're a new member or a new Christian, it's a great opportunity to hear about uh, also what we're about. And we also think it's a great thing for those who have been members here to hear again about what what are we about, because we all need a reminder of things like that from time to time. So we'll do this. We're thinking two to three times a year as needed and spend time on that. And then our worship service will be a regular worship service followed by a fellowship meal. And that is to show appreciation for our new Christians and new members. And we want them to know how thankful we are that they are here. We want to encourage them, make them feel welcome. And in case you haven't met any of them, that's a great time to meet them and make them feel welcomed. Now, we have not done this before, so we had to pick a start date. Uh, You know, how far back do you go? And in talking about it, Uh, It was decided that we would pick January 2022, and we really, really, really don't want that to in any way come across wrong to anybody. You've got to start somewhere, and so we never want to exclude anybody, anything like that, but we're starting with that date uh, moving forward for folks who are new uh, members and new Christians, and it doesn't uh, mean anything about someone who's been here a little longer than that. It uh, just means we're, we're kind of starting with the newer uh, people during this last uh, time. And so moving forward, it will be, you know, between September and the next one, if that makes sense. And then if we missed anybody in September, we'll catch them the next time we do one. So we, we want this to be a very positive thing. It's church-wide. This is for everybody to get involved in and to celebrate and thank God for. And we hope that you will be a part of that on that day. We're very thankful for what God is doing here at this congregation, and we're thankful for uh, blessing us to be a part of uh, this work here and to do his will. Great crowds had been following Jesus, as we have seen as Mark gets into his gospel to teach us about Jesus. And when we get to chapter 3, we see that these crowds are just following him everywhere he goes. And in chapter 3, verses, verse 20, we see that Jesus goes to the house where he's been staying. People are following him, and he goes there to just stop and have a meal. And so many people are following. They crowd into the house, and he can't even eat. Can you imagine, although Jesus is, is 100% God, he's 100% human to connect with us, and that's what is meant by the, meaning, the, 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 the title, the name, Son of Man. And so we can only imagine how tired and worn out and hungry 
he became in the flesh. And so in chapter 4 at the end, we find Jesus at the end of a full day of teaching and crowds following. We find him tired and ready for some rest. And he tells his disciples, let's get in the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee, which was not a very big area, uh, approximately eight miles. So his intention was, let's go across the sea to the other side for more teaching and more ministry and work there. And on the way there, and on, on this short trip, I need to get some rest. In fact, Mark tells us that other boats followed. There were other boats. People said, Jesus is going across the, the sea. Well, let's get our boats together because we're going to wherever he goes. More boats follow. And so Jesus, uh, we find out that in verses 35 and 36 of Mark chapter 4, Mark tells us that the disciples took Jesus just as he was. In other words, he didn't say, okay, let me go get a change of clothes. Let me go gather some supplies. Let me get uh, some stuff together. I need to take care of a few things before we go. You can just imagine him being so ready to get in that boat and rest from his labors, nonstop talking and ministry and probably great hunger, that he just, as he was, they just, he says, let's go, and they take him just as he was, and he gets on that boat, and he lays down, and he goes to sleep. Those Galilean fishing boats held about 15 people, so this boat was basically full. There wasn't a lot of extra room, but there was one spot where he found where he could lay down and rest his head. And so we see in verses 37 and 38 of Mark chapter 4 that Mark tells us a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in, a, he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The Sea of Galilee is known for sudden, violent storms. The way the geography is, it, it allows for storms to whip up in an instant. And fishermen would have known that. And apparently evening time, which was when they were in the boat, was a very dangerous time. Mount Hermon was there and the, the winds could rush down, the cold mountain winds could rush down into the valley and onto the water and mix with that warmer uh, air over the water and create strong winds. Wind storms is what Mark says, and even without rain, even though there certainly could be rain, and it could be violent waves in a, in a flash, and that's exactly what happened to them. And even to have four fishermen aboard, this, is, this was no joke kind of storm. They, were, they had every reason to be afraid, even those experienced at sea. And they're in this small boat, knowing the danger of the Sea of Galilee, knowing what's happening, and they're afraid. And it's this amazing contrast 
that we have? Do you see it where this violent storm has kicked up in a, just a brief moment and it's so much that the wind is beating against the boat, the waves are beating against the boat and water is coming into the boat. This is not something you play around with. This is serious. This is life and death at this point. And then Jesus is over there sleeping at rest. What a contrast we have in this moment of chaos. We also have calm. And what do the apostles say to Jesus? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They, they see Jesus over there and they say, Jesus, don't you care what's going on? Don't you care about the the danger that we're facing? Don't you care about what's going on in our lives? Do you even see it? Are you even paying attention to what's going on and what we're dealing with? Do you care about our problems? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you felt that way so much so where you felt like God is distant and He's not even paying attention. He has no idea what I'm dealing with in my life. He has no idea the pain I'm dealing with, the grief, the hurt, the struggles. He can't even relate. He's not even looking my way. Have you ever felt that way? Jesus must just be asleep over there or all His attention is on other people and I'm the least of his thoughts. He couldn't care less about me. You ever felt like that? That's exactly how the disciples felt. In this, in this life and death dangerous situation, they felt like Jesus, although he was there physically, couldn't have cared less. Because that's what they said. Don't you care that we're perishing? They assumed, they said as much, you don't care about us, is what they were saying. See, this storm they were facing was as real as it gets. Just like the storms you face in your life. That challenge, that tragedy, that grief, that that trouble that you're facing in your life is just as real as that violent storm they were in the midst of. It's the same kind of thing. That one is happening in nature, and yours might be happening in, uh, in a spiritual way or in, in your family relationships or in work or health and those kinds of things. Those are very real, just as real as a storm in the Sea of Galilee. The disciples' fear and doubt in the moment, though, was greater than their confidence in Jesus, wasn't it? And, and, and if we're honest, we can say, well, I understand why. Uh, yeah, of course. Look at what they were facing and look at what I'm dealing with. Of course, my attention goes to the trouble, to the tragedy, to the, to the challenge. Because that's what's real in my face. That's what I see and feel. That's what I'm walking with every day. And their confidence uh, was not in Christ. Instead, they had fear because of what they saw and what they experienced. But what happens next in verse 39 of Mark chapter 4? Jesus awoke 
And Mark says, He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. See, Jesus shows us, Mark shows us, that Jesus has not only divine power over disease and sickness and, and, and physical problems in, the, in a person's health like he's been doing. He's been healing all these people. And Jesus has authority to heal in those situations. Mark is showing us Jesus also has authority over nature, over creation. And see, the Romans, uh, the Roman people and people under Roman rule is who Mark was writing to. And they understood Roman rule. They understood authority and power from the, the Roman government. And so Mark is showing that Jesus is powerful and has authority. And you need to believe in him. You need to believe he is who I am writing, telling you he is. Who God says he is. Who he says He is, that He is the Son of God, that He is the promised Savior. And Mark is trying to convey that image, that understanding of who Jesus is. Now the words rebuke and peace or be silent are interesting. We also saw them back in chapter 1. If you'll turn there to verse 25. When Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit... In the man. Do you remember that? And what, what does he tell him? He rebukes him and tells him to be quiet, to come out. Those are the same words that Jesus uses for the storm here in Mark chapter 4. Showing that Jesus has authority in all realms of creation, in all realms of life. Jesus has power and authority. Jesus is from heaven. Jesus is divine Jesus is of God and is God in the flesh. So Jesus can rebuke and calm spiritual chaos like we see in the man's life with the unclean spirit. He can calm spiritual chaos and he can also calm the chaos in nature. And either way that shows us that peace and stillness and true calmness is only found in Jesus. The world cannot give you calmness and stillness and quiet and peace like you think and you hope, and it promises that it will. Now, you might experience some form of that, but it is nothing that, can be, that, that is found in Christ. Nothing compares to the peace and quiet and stillness and calmness that is found in Christ. Paul told us in Romans 8 that even the the world, the earth, groans uh, uh, waiting for that day of judgment because of what it's going through. It longs for creation itself, longs for peace and calmness and stillness. That word peace here, though, is interesting because I realize that this word peace in the ESV and some other translations is not shalom like we're used to. The word here is the word for silent or be silent or hush or quiet that is found in other translations. And that's exactly what it means to be calm, quiet, still. And that's exactly what Jesus commanded the storm to do. And that's exactly what it did. 
And when Jesus commanded the storm, just like we've been talking about, and Roy mentioned this morning in class, all he had to do was speak, just like he's been doing, and just like God did at creation. And the winds and the waves obeyed his words. He didn't have to do a magic potion. He didn't have to get uh, uh, a magic wand out. He didn't have to do a dance and all those kinds of things. He simply spoke, and it immediately obeyed, just like people's healings and unclean spirits. Now look at verse number 40. Then Jesus asks them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You see, the disciples were probably thinking like we do when we look at our storms and and, and, and the things that we're going through, and we're thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? You see, if we're honest with ourselves, that's probably how we think sometimes. But Jesus asks them, why are you afraid? And they could have been stunned, like, how could you ask that question? Do you have a clue what's going on? Because they said, do you even care? Are you even paying attention? And yet Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you see the stark contrast that Mark gives us here? They're saying, of course we're afraid. And we say to Jesus, when we're going through things, of course I'm in turmoil, I'm I'm torn up, I'm afraid. I'm torn to pieces, I grieve, I'm hurting. I don't know what to do, I doubt. I don't know how I'm going to keep anything together. What do you think? Of course I'm afraid. And Jesus says, why? That's a powerful, powerful question. See, when we fear, we feel forsaken, don't we? And that's exactly how the disciples felt. They were afraid because of what they saw. The dangerous, life-threatening circumstances that they, were, that they felt... They felt the boat rocking. They felt the water coming in. They saw it. Swimming was not a recreational activity in those days. I don't know if they even knew how to swim, but if they did, it's at night in a windstorm. This is not the place you want to jump out in the water and swim. Their lives were on the line, and Jesus is saying, why are you so afraid? See, when you get afraid, you feel forsaken. And they felt in that moment with Jesus physically there, forsaken by him. Do you even care? Are you even here with us at all? Are you paying attention? And Jesus is saying, why are you afraid? You have no reason to be afraid. See, when you face your storms and you feel forsaken by Jesus, it may just be that the issue is not Jesus and the issue is not the storm you're going through. It may very well be your faith in that moment. It may very well be that your faith is not in Christ, that your eyes are not on Him. Instead, they're over here on the storm and you're letting that storm get your feelings all stirred up. And as human beings, we understand, right? We know. And Jesus is saying, stop being so afraid. You're with me. So how does Jesus respond to that when he asks them, when when he asks them, why are you so afraid? And when we reply 
Don't you see what's going on? He says, have you still no faith? See, we reply with our reasoning, our rationale, our justification. Well, Jesus, I mean, look at everything. Do you know what I'm dealing with? And he says, do you still have no faith? That's his answer to our reply to him when he asks us, why are you afraid? In other words, where's your faith? Your faith is in what, yourself and your ability to manage all this? Well, guess what? No wonder you're afraid. Because you can't get through stuff, the stuff of life, without being afraid when your faith is in yourself or in other things. You see, Jesus is asking, have you not seen all that I've done so far? Have you not heard all that I've taught? Have you uh, not now believed in who I am? Do you still not believe in me? And that's what Jesus is asking us in the things that we're going through. He asks us, where's your faith in me when the storms blow against your boat? Or when the boat is rocking so much, the water is coming in the boat. And Jesus is asking, is your faith in me? Where is your faith when the storm is coming? See, if the miracle of the storm doesn't teach us, the miracle of the storm doesn't teach us that God will work out everything perfectly to our liking. It doesn't teach us we'll have every problem fixed every time we cry out to God. That's not the point of the story. That's not why Mark recorded this, uh, led by God, to be in our scriptures. Storms are a part of life that no one escapes. There will always be storms and trouble and challenges and tragedies in life. And everyone who is at sea knows that. All of those fishermen, all of those people in those days who worked out on the sea, they all understood at any time you could face a storm. And we know that from life experience, right? At any moment, anything could happen. That diagnosis, that wreck, that terrible thing, that hurt in that relationship, that loss, that damage, anything can happen at any moment. And we start feeling secure with the possessions that we have and the intelligence that we have and how good we think we are and our education or whatever, whatever we've built up around us, we think that keeps us secure. Life hits anyone and everyone. It's no respecter of persons. And so... Mark is emphasizing who Jesus is and that, that we can put our trust in him no matter what happens. That's the lesson to take away from the story. No matter what happens, believe Jesus is who he says he is. See, Mark helps us trust the Savior who doesn't deliver us from the storms, but delivers us through the storms. See, we have to face the challenges of life with the boldness of our faith that no matter what comes our way, my faith is in Christ. No matter what happens out here on, on the sea, no matter what storm comes up, my faith is in Christ. If we're shipwrecked and I'm floating on a piece of wood from the boat, my faith is in Jesus. If I'm dodging sharks, at night, my faith is in Jesus. If I don't know how, if I can't see the shore on the other side, my faith is in Jesus no matter what. 
That's what he wants us to understand. See, Christianity is not a refuge from the uncertainties and insecurities of life. There are no safe places in this world. I know we like, some people like to think we've got a safe space over here. There are no safe spaces. Things can happen anywhere at any time. The only place we find true calm, true uh, peace, true stillness is in Christ. And that's why Paul talks about the joy of Jesus that I can get through anything as long as I'm holding on to the hand of Jesus. Philippians 4.13 See, some Christians may face the troubles of life and wonder why they ever got in the boat with Jesus in the first place. This Christianity stuff doesn't help at all. I'm still dealing with problems in life. Sometimes those problems are our own doing based on our own uh, uh, sinfulness or poor decisions. And sometimes things just happen in life, right? Health and other things happen that we didn't cause, that aren't the fault of ours or anyone else's. It's just life in a broken world marred by sin. But when we realize that as soon as Jesus and his disciples got to the shore, do you know what was waiting for them? What happened in chapter 5? As soon as they got off the boat, a man with a legion of demons comes running up to them, filled with evil spirits. A man comes running up to them that Jesus has to deal with. You see, the storms and the evil and the problems never stop. Jesus didn't make them all go away. They were with him, and when their faith was in him, no matter what they faced, a shipwreck, a windstorm, a crazy man with evil spirits in him, no matter what they faced, they were okay because they were with Jesus. It didn't mean internally they weren't sometimes afraid or didn't know how it was going to work out. They didn't have all the answers. That's what we're left with is faith in Christ, putting our faith in Jesus. Look back at Matthew 4.35. See, this is what they should have thought about and what we need to remember. Matthew 4.35, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. What's the significance of that? Jesus told them what we're about to do. He told them this is what's going to happen. Let's go across to the other side. So no matter what happened in between point A and point B, Our faith has got to be, all I know is Jesus said we're going to the other side. I don't know what's going to happen out here at sea. There's no telling what could happen when these winds get stirred up, when the storm comes. I have no idea. But Jesus said, and I believe in him, that we're going to the other side. And so I can be calm and still and at peace because my faith is in him not in what I see and in what my control is, my power to control things in this world. See, their trust should be in Jesus and his words instead of the circumstances of life. And guess what Mark tells us in chapter 5, verse 1? What does he tell us? They came to the other side of the sea. Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. Yeah, we're going to go through some things, but you stay with me. 
Don't be afraid. Keep your faith in me. I'll quiet the storms. Everything will be okay, even though we go through some stuff. And we'll get to the other side. And when you get to the other side, are you going to be glad you were in the boat with Jesus or not? See, I'd rather go through the storm with Jesus in the boat, in the boat with Him, than not. Because if I'm not in the boat with Him, I don't know what's going to happen. But if I'm in the boat with Him, whether I die or live, regardless, like Paul said, I'm with Christ. So our faith in Jesus is enough no matter what we go through. Because Jesus is with us. And Mark is talking about the identity of Christ, and he's saying no storm in life, no challenge, no problem, health issue, loss, trauma, what nothing is so big that it can match the identity of who Jesus is. There is nothing we can go through in life, no matter how absolutely horrible it is, that can compare to who Jesus is. Nothing shakes his identity. Nothing makes him not be who he is. He is always Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. And our faith is in him. So no matter how big that problem is, we can get through it with him. See, no matter what we go through, we need to go through it with Jesus and we'll get to the other side and be so glad we went through that thing with Jesus instead of giving up on him. Instead of saying, Jesus doesn't care about me. Uh, This stuff can't be real. My faith doesn't work. God doesn't love me. Look at what I'm going through. Instead of taking that approach, when we say, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know what's around the corner. All I know is my faith is in Christ. And somehow, some way, I'm going to get to the other side because he said so. And we're going to be okay. And I'll look back and my faith will be stronger because I'll see what he did. I can't see it now because it's ahead of me. I can't see the shore. I can't see how we're going to get past this. But when I get on the other side, I'll look back and I'll see what God did. And my faith will be stronger and I'll praise God and thank him for being with me as I went through that. And I'll say, I don't know how I would have made it through without Jesus. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what the apostles needed to learn that day. That's what we need to learn as well. Have you put your faith completely, totally, fully in Jesus no matter what you go through? You do that when you trust in Him for your salvation. You believe He is who He is. You believe the good news He preaches of salvation in Him. You confess your sins, you turn from your sins, you confess Him as Lord and Savior, and you're united with Him in baptism, and you're raised out of the water, receiving forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit, walking a new life in Him, a life full of faith in Him. That's what it means to follow Him and put your trust in Him. Maybe you've been following Him, but the boat is rocking in your world right now, and your faith hasn't been in Christ It's been pretty shaky. And you're wondering, Jesus, do you even care? We want you to know that he does. We want to be here to help you and encourage you and pray for you. If we can help you respond to the gospel message of Jesus this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.
We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. And please come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless.